Welcome to the 34th episode of Sound the Foghorn. Uh, the, you know, it's been a bit. Last time I was looking at the trade deadline. Now today is the day one of the Major League Baseball draft. Of course, day one is only the first round. And I want to say round one comp A. I forget the specific um title of it but nonetheless the first 36 picks in the draft the Giants only had one their regular first round pick it was 14th overall and I am very excited today to have on my good friend Brian Recca he does I really one of the most in-depth um the most in-depth coverage of the draft and it comes with a Giants lens I I really highly recommend anyone uh, Giants fan draft fan if you're both even better um you can follow him on Twitter at Brian underscore Recca that's R-E-C-C-A and he also has a website um where he's been you know sort of blogging about the draft and leading up to it so I'm very excited to have him on to talk about the draft but Brian this is like your weekend or I guess you know your Sunday Monday and Tuesday right this is like the the few days that you spend so much of your time preparing for how's it feel to have day one over uh it lasted long but also went really fast uh you know it's it's fun the first day you know these are the big names these are the guys you know you, you spend a lot of time a lot of your attention on but for me like the you know the, the the meat comes tomorrow and the next day where we get into the, but uh yeah it was a fun night i had a really i had a really good time yeah and so you know it really I mean, this feels like one of the most chaotic and unexpected sort of turns in the draft that we've seen in some time, at least, you know, from me, from my perspective is, I mean, really from the jump, the pick seemed to, again, it wasn't necessarily until the Royals at seven kind of blew up boards when they ended up going with uh, a prep lefty who'd been seen far lower, but, you know, for the most part, no huge reaches but you know things a bit out of order right the pirates you know go henry davis number one after being expected um to go with uh, marcelo mayer and then, and then there's just sort of this trickle down where you know you have kind of this group uh, of prep prospects sort of a, a trio in brady house um khalil watson and harry ford and ford's you know a bit lower on that group but you know three prep prospects who going for in the case of Watson top five in the case of house top seven, top six. And in the case of Ford top 10, wasn't unforeseeable. And you saw the three of them go and just kind of keep falling. And the giants obviously picking at 14, the expectation was sort of that top tier prep talent was going to be off the board, the, the, the top tier high school hitters and the, you know, top tier of, you know, the college talent was going to be gone. And so they were sort of going to have their first pick or, you know, most of their pick of sort of that next tier. And we talked a lot about, or if you, I guess, um, you know, if you've read either of us, you know, South Freelick, uh, Boston College outfielder's gotten a lot of attention, you know, maybe a guy like Matt McLean, kind of this versatile bat from UCLA. And then Khalil Watson and Brady House and Harry Ford fall. House and Ford end up going 11 and 12. And Watson is on the board at 14 for the Giants. You know, talk me through, obviously, you know, if you're listening to this, if you don't already know, they end up selecting Will Bednar, a right-handed starting pitcher out of Mississippi State. He's a draft-eligible sophomore. He turned 21 years old less than a month ago. He was the MVP of the College World Series. Mississippi State won the championship, and Bednar threw six no-hit innings in the championship game. But, you know, walk me through the ultimate 
I think decision, at least we would imagine in the Giants draft room is coming down to Bednar and Watson. You know, what do you think, what do you imagine that process is like? And, you know, what is sort of, I guess, you know, if you're rationalizing what the Giants did, or if, you know, you disagree with what they ultimately made in, in that choice, you know, kind of what are the different things you're thinking about comparing those two guys? Obviously very different prospects, but that's kind of the difficult situation, right? Scouting directors are put in, you know, with drafts like this. Yeah, sure. I mean, so just from like my personal standpoint where I, I ranked them, I had Khalil Watson, number three overall on my board. He was one of my, you know, absolute favorite prospects in this entire class. Uh, Bednar, I had a little further down at 13, but, you know, one of my f- absolute favorite uh, college righties or college pitchers in general in this draft. Um, I would I would imagine that the Giants never thought that they were going to be in a position where Khalil Watson was going to be on the board. So I'm sure there was maybe some scrambling around there and trying to figure out money and things like that. Um, obviously it didn't happen. I was, you know, somewhat disappointed, but I think Bednar is a, you know, pretty good consolation prize. I, I would imagine that money played a pretty big role. I, I would expect Bednar to take, you know, a discount from, I believe the Giants slot is just over 4 million. I could see him taking maybe like a million dollar discount there. And I imagine that played a huge role in why they chose to go that direction as opposed to Watson, who, you know, where he was picked at the Marlins, you know, probably going to be an overslot pick. And we've seen the Giants go with this strategy in the past with uh, Patrick Bailey and Hunter Bishop, where they'll take someone like of like, like a, a fair value or like where they're expected to go, like, you know, in terms of like their draft slot, but they're also able to get them at a discount and they can use that discount later in the draft. So I'm thinking that the Giants really relied on that and had a set number and they stuck to it, which is why uh, Bednar ended up being the pick. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Bishop and Bailey, obviously, you know, since Farhan Zaidi was hired, he brought Michael Holmes over from the A's to be the amateur scouting director. And so this is only his third draft. And obviously last year's draft is only five rounds. You have this shortened spring. So, you know, we're all kind of, you know, there's certain trends we've kind of seen. And now this is three straight drafts and various circumstances where third straight year you're seeing them go with sort of a proven or I guess you know quote unquote more proven prospect right going to the collegiate ranks going as you mentioned to prospects who you know they aren't shocking the board for the most part with those picks you know Bishop was in fact someone who kind of fell into their laps you know seemed you know at one point was viewed a top five top seven prospect ends up falling to them at 10 Bailey was seen as a mid first round pick that's about where they draft him. I do feel like Bednar is the biggest quote unquote reach on, you know, only relative. Cause again, Bailey and Bishop were kind of picked right around where they were expected. He's someone who it seems like more consensus had him somewhere in that 20 to 35 range. You were higher on him though. I know where you had him, I think ranked 13th right. on, on your big board. Walk me through why you were higher on him and why, you know, you, the idea of him going 14th aside from Khalil Watson, all this other stuff, why, you know, if all of that's taken away and you tell him, and we tell you, will Bednar goes 14th overall, why do you, why do you get behind that? And why, why, why did you have him so high on your board? So I think, I think, I just think the, the way that his two best pitches work together. So he has 
uh, typically it's like a low 90s fastball, like 92, 94 a lot. He has shown higher, but the shape and the movement of the pitch, it has like rising action on it, and it plays really, really well at the top of the zone. If you watched any of his appearances uh, tour, you know, in the College World Series or regionals, you'd see a lot of hitters swinging underneath that fastball. And that's, that rising action is a big reason for it. And when you combine that with his slider that has such, you know, sharp bite and depth on it down the zone, it just creates like, it's just like kind of a perfect match. And we're seeing in the major leagues, um, pro teams kind of uh, going for these type of players. And this kind of, I like to use the term, it's kind of the meta right now where this, like the, the fast, the rising fastball high, the, the breaking ball low, and it, it just works. It works. It's hard for, for hitters to differentiate between the two pitches. And that's what Will Bednard does at his best. Now, there are some concerns, like he doesn't have a dependable changeup, so that's an issue. But I think that's something that is not nearly as difficult to develop in pro ball at, when compared to, you know, a fastball shape or, or you know, a breaking ball. So uh, I'm pretty confident that he'll be all right there. He had some command issues earlier in the season, but I think that was probably the the biggest reason why I felt confident, you know, having him at 13 was the improvements he made in that regard. If you watched his, you know, final starts of the season, I mean, he, he was, he was hitting the glove. I mean, he really made strides in his strike throwing. And uh, I, I, I really think that giants have a well-optimized uh, starter for the future here in Bednar. And it's, uh, he also, he has, I'm not sure if you know, or, or your listeners know, but his brother is actually a reliever in the, uh, for the Pirates. He's a pretty good one. And he's kind of built the same way and kind of has like a similar backstory where he like, you know, we, he didn't really have a change up. Now he has like a plus split change. He had like a big velocity boost after signing. So like these are things I think that are not out of the question for Bednar and the giant system going forward. And uh, I, I just think that he has a lot of, a lot of potential and he's, we've started to see that towards the end of the college season this year. So yeah, I'm definitely on board with the pick. Yeah. As we're, as we're talking, amateur scouting director, Michael Holmes, as I mentioned, he's actually talking to Bay area reporters right now. Um, Kerry Crowley, um, the beat writer over at the Bay area news group, he just tweeted out that, he, you know, basically the same thing that, you know, Holmes said the team loves Bednar's ability to miss bats within the strike zone with his fastball. So his fastball and slider were overpowering type pitches and added the giants think the changeup is solid. And that's one thing too, that, you know, a, a guy like Bednar, he's not forced to use the changeup that much. And, and so, you know, right. you get limited looks and, you know, we'll ultimately see how it plays out. But, you know, the pitch could be further along than, you know, might meet the eye because if you have two plus or, you know, in the context of college, definitely plus pitches, but two potential plus big league pitches um, in the fastball and, and slider, you're not going to have to rely too much on a third pitch. You're not going to necessarily have to push it. And so that I think is going to be key, you know, as often is the third pitch, whether he can stick in the rotation long-term. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, his brother showing that ability to develop that, that kind of pitch. And, you know, I think that could be you know, a positive sign of things to come for him. The other thing that, you know, 
it's, you know, as Rashard is starting to look at trends, I, I mentioned he just turned 21. You know, I think this is, you know, as the Giants are, you know, when, when you see people like uh, Eric Longenhagen or others uh, around who talk about, you know, these players are doing well on for model-driven teams, right? It, it seems pretty clear at this point the Giants are one of those model-driven teams, right? And this is someone who is relatively inexperienced at the collegiate level. He's actually old for his class, which is why he's a draft-eligible sophomore. But so when he showed up last year, that's his first taste of college baseball before COVID shuts yep. things down. He has a 1-7 ERA. He's got 23 strikeouts in 15 innings, only six walks. You know, then, then this year, he actually missed the start of a year, the year with a, a neck injury, I believe, which, you know, when you think about the early control command issues as well, you know, I think working back from that could have, I think, be something that the Giants have rationalized to kind of explain some of that as well and you know you do maybe worry is that a health concern going forward I mean it's it's so hard to know and he was someone who did get taxed quite a bit relatively because you know Mississippi State wins the title he gets pushed um deep into the summer pitching and obviously this is coming off the COVID year so we don't even know what his workload was like last year I think that's going to be the interesting thing too you know I imagine the Giants it wouldn't shock me if they pretty much shut him down or maybe have him throw one inning every sixth day at Arizona the rest of the year yeah I could see that I'll say that um yeah the Giants are definitely using a mile age is a huge factor um yeah, I <laughs> there's really not much more I can say. He, he, I really like this pick. I think the Giants got a really good arm. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm ready for day two. <laughs> to be honest, um, yeah, I I don't really have much to add beyond that. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, mean, mean I, I think I think the one thing that you could point to is that he's also like you could point to like injury stuff as you know certainly, but he's also just it's it's a fresh arm you know there aren't like beyond like besides like the stuff that happened towards the end of the year the college world series like this is not a guy who has you know we talk about guys like you know having a certain amount of bullets in their arm this guy hasn't used a lot of those bullets mm-hmm. so you know we I, I think people kind of forget with with guys like bednar and even like jack lighter like how inexperienced these guys really are at the college level how few innings they have so, like, be able to perform and, you know, develop and grow the way these guys have, like, in such a short amount of time, I mean, that's a plus for me. Uh, you know, that's something I like. Yeah. So it, I don't see it as, like, a negative that he's inexperienced. Uh, something I, I, I'm attracted to, if anything. Totally, especially when you've seen the feel he has to pitch in these huge situations, right, mm-hmm. in the College World Series. And, and you know, it's not just at the college level. He was a primary shortstop early in high school. Mm-hmm. He doesn't become a full-time pitcher till his junior year. He, I think he threw 66 innings as a junior. I think his senior year, he didn't pitch that much because there was some, you know, arm soreness or what it was. That's part of the reason he wasn't drafted out of high school. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Again, like that's something where, you know, you you hope the Giants who have, by the way, as organizations go, we've seen at the big league level, we've seen at the minor league level, I think been some of the most prudent and responsible when it comes to pitcher workloads, right? And trying to manage these things and and work players slowly. And so if there is an organization that I'm going to have confidence isn't going to push this guy too far and is going to give him the chance to give his body the chance to recover so he can, you know, reach his potential when he's at the big league level, rather than at low A or high A, you know, I think this is uh, the organization to do it. And what I do think is so interesting is that, you know, Farhan Zaidi 
his early tenure with the Giants is really defined by these offensive finds, right? I mean, obviously, there's Kevin Galsman, there's Anthony Scafani, Alex Wood, you know, really good pitchers, Jake McGee, who he's acquired. But it's the Mike Yastrzemski trade that stands out, right? It was like the early moves were Mike Yastrzemski and Alex Dickerson. It was all about when he was, when Zaidi was brought over from the Dodgers, right? It was who's going to be the Giants' Max Muncy or Chris Taylor and, and, and all this focus on offense. So far, it's been the pitching prospects that have seemed to excel the most um, in this regime under Zaidi. And, we, you know, we, we, we don't need to talk about the last couple of draft classes, right? Hunter Bishop has just dealt with injuries for the most part, but Patrick Bailey struggled pretty mightily. You know, Logan Wyatt's been pretty mediocre this year at high A, but, you know, you've had someone like Carson Ragsdale, they acquire in a trade from Sam Kudrat, who seems to be excelling. Ryan Murphy, a guy who gets $25,000, you know, we'll see what it happens at the upper, higher minor league levels, but is dominating low A. Caleb Killian, you know, pushing um, a call up to AAA in really his first full professional season. And obviously, I don't necessarily think that impacts, you know, how they're approaching these picks, but I think from a fan perspective too, I think at this point, I might be at the place where I'm probably more confident in this organization developing pitchers than hitters not that i don't trust them to develop hitters it just seems like they have a really effective model for helping these players reach their potential quickly yeah i I think one thing that could be true is that the giants are better at evaluating pro hitters than amateur hitters Mm -hmm. i think that could be happening where whatever model they're using on the pro side it's working and it's hit firing on all cylinders you know maybe it's not you know as refined on the amateur side but yeah i mean the early returns on a lot of these pitchers have been really good and uh, i guess that was i guess that was one reason why i was a little like i I didn't think they would take a pitcher because i don't know part of me felt like they would wait because they knew they can get a kyle harrison or somebody in the third round and turn them into something i don't know but yeah uh, i i definitely think I, I'm I'm confident that the Giants are, are 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 the right team to to get the most out of Will Will Bendar for sure. I, I'm not, I'm not I'm not upset that 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 they they pass on a good hitter to get this guy. Yeah, no, totally. I think it was I was someone too who was kind of coming into this draft cycle. I've been expecting this pick. I was expecting some. I mean, this isn't fair to whoever this prospect would be, but in sort of the Christian Arroyo mold. And like, I expected this to be the year it was like some, because the wakes and part of that was, and obviously it kind of changed the way things played out. Although Bednar wasn't necessarily on the radar to start with, but you know, it just looked like where kind of the tiers of talent for this draft was, I kind of felt like the giants weren't well situated to get, kind of one of the players I was really in the top tier and so I was like you know what we've seen from the Giants is when that doesn't happen they're gonna reach for someone they believe in who maybe has some tools who maybe has this weird you know Logan Wyatt right this incredible plate discipline right you know Hunter Bishop obviously this big time power like sort of find something that they they're gonna trust themselves to develop and so I was thinking you know I wonder you know again Thatcher Hurd was my guy for a bit obviously he ends up Mm -hmm. going to UCLA so he's not draft eligible but they end I sort of have you know we've heard them tied to college pitching pretty consistently the last few years and it's just never come through right they were tied to jackson rutledge and Cade cavalli and all these things and it just mm-hmm. felt like almost a filler for people who just because they really didn't know what to expect from the giants but this year they do pull the trigger in that direction and again we mentioned it at the top i think a key component to why it's will bednar and not khalil watson 
is the monetary component, right? The baseball draft, you have this pool of money you can spend where you don't risk losing draft picks, right? And so the Giants have prioritize saving money early to spend later in 2019 it's how they get trevor mcdonald you know in, in 2020 it's how they get kyle harrison in the picks where they both they got both of those prep pitchers bednar there i saw i think it was kevin goldstein at Fangrass had mentioned his price tag was around three million dollars the giant slot as you mentioned earlier is just over four so you know a potentially about a one million dollar savings and obviously we'll see how the negotiations went either way but that means they probably have about you know 1.3, 1.4, maybe even 1.5 million to spend on to over slot elsewhere. If that is like sort of earmarked for one player, right? Because obviously the Giants they could spread it around, give to a little you know three hundred thousand dollars extra here, four hundred thousand dollars there, give a seventeenth round pick, a five hundred thousand dollar bonus, but you know, there's some pretty good talent that's fallen through day one of the draft. Are there any players in particular who you look at and say, you know, I think if the Giants are are saving this money for one player in particular, it might be them. So before I answer that, I just would like to say that it, like, obviously this is what, the, I, I'm pretty pretty sure that this is what, what you just said is absolutely what the Giants are thinking about using this money elsewhere. But just looking at some of the other picks in this round, it seems like a lot of other teams came up with a similar strategy. Mm-hmm. So I think the Giants are going to have a lot of competition for these, for, for you know, the, the Kyle Harrisons, if you will. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and who ultimately falls to them. Um, so for, for me, I, I guess, you know, I, he's another guy who I, I've ranked really high is um, Gage Jump, who's a lefty from uh, from California. He goes to J. Sarah Catholic. And, you know, he's similar to Kyle Harrison in a sense because they're both lefties and they're both from California and they're both committed to UCLA. So a lot of similarities there. Um, Jump, in a lot of ways, it's, it's like similar to Bednar where he has the, the rising fastball and like the huge, you know, downer breaking ball that just the co- the combination is just lethal. Um, I have him ranked 16th. A lot of people have him, you know, lower in the 40s, 40s and 50s. He's only like about 5'11 or so. And there's been some like it, like spotty command issues and stuff. But I think his arsenal is just going to play, and that would he kind of fits with what the Giants did today with with the with the Bednar's uh, arsenal. So that, that's kind of like the number one guy on my wish list. I don't know if it's going to work out. Um, beyond him, I think just a, a one other guy is is Bubba Chandler from Georgia, uh, in, uh, high school in Georgia. And he's interesting because he's actually been connected to the Giants for a couple months now where they were, you know, they had scouting heat in to see him. Um, he's interesting because he's actually a two-sport guy and also a two-way player so he's a pitcher he was also shortstop he's also a quarterback committed to clemson and that's gonna you know he's gonna come you know it's gonna take a lot of money to get him signed a lot of money that a lot of teams in this draft aren't gonna have so if they were really interested in chandler and they really think they have a chance of getting him and they you know and they really like him that might be enough for them to pass on watson take Bednar, who they also like, and line up Chandler for, you know, round two or round three, the way they did with Harrison. 
So I think I think that those are two guys I think you can point to right off the bat that kind of fit with what what they're trying to do. Yeah, I'll throw another one in there with Chandler, who's similar. Another two-sport committed to Clemson at wide receiver is Will Taylor um, as well, who he doesn't necessarily – I mean, he's more just kind of your traditional tooled-up, big-time power potential outfielder um, who, you know, we haven't really seen um, the Giants necessarily take, but, you know, someone else who could command – a bigger bonus but you know the interesting thing too on the two sports side is as you mentioned there's a lot of teams out there who have you know some mm-hmm. space available right you know the royals are who obviously at seven um took frank mozicato i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that correctly but anyway my italian my italian grandparents will have some thoughts with me talk with me later <laughs> um but for, from connecticut who is you know considered a big reach you know probably you know expected to go probably 20 picks or so later but that means the royals have a lot of money to spend you know the giants have in the past shown the ability you know there are sometimes college players who are viewed as you know picked where they're expected to go who will still take less money and obviously now that it's a 20 round draft it's not a five round draft a team could also give full slot to their first round pick sign a guy in the second round give big money and just say rounds three through ten we're gonna give up you know we're gonna sign guys for twenty thirty thousand dollars because we really want these two players and so Mm -hmm. it becomes this massive overly complicated game of cat and mouse (laughs) right where teams have to kind of convince players to get along with tricking the other teams not to take them because they'll give them more money if they successfully do that right and so there's all this bluffing and and so you know so the reason i say someone like chandler or taylor might be more feasible for the giants is that there's more plausible deniability for chandler and taylor as these two sport athletes to the this premium football program right that is clemson to be able to it might be easier for them to convince teams you know what we're not going to sign anymore we want to go play football at Clemson which you know could mean the Giants might be able to get them to 50 or even as they did with Harrison right they snuck him all the way to the third Mm -hmm. round even though you know he was viewed as a second round prospect right um again I mean you know we're really throwing darts you know here this is you know mock drafts are always kind of terrible for that reason but (laughs) I I I it's I why I think the draft is so exciting to so many people is it's this potential and also the baseball draft especially is it is its own unique puzzle right because you have this signing bonus maneuvering and because you have all of this you know you can you know obviously I think both of you are on the same page we probably would have wanted uh Khalil Watson over um will bednar but that then you know bednar still a really interesting prospect he probably is i mean i think it, right now i have to you know i haven't done as much pre-draft work as i had in the past because i realized since i only really write about the giants i was doing a lot of work on prospects who i wasn't going to ever write about so <laughs> I've, i was kind of like all right we're going to wait till the giants draft their players and then i'll do a lot more on them but you know it seems like he and kyle harrison are immediately in conversation for who's the best pitching prospect in an organization that's seen its pitching depth really improved last year or so. So, I mean, that's a really impressive ad. And again, if you do swing a Bubba Chandler or Will Taylor, or who knows some other prep prospect or, you know, some other, maybe it's, you know, again, I don't think it's Jed Fabian, but some, you know, college player who's dropped two, you know, all of that is just so fun because there's so many options and so many things fans can do with it. Absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think the, like for people who don't like, you know, aren't super tuned into the draft, you, you can't 
you can't think of every draft, uh, every pick, like, on its own. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. All these picks, uh, you know, to some level are connected. So until we see what, you know, the Royals do and, you know, maybe even the Orioles, they took Kowser mm-hmm. pretty early. Until we see what they do later in the draft, and obviously the Giants are included in that, you know, it's not, it's not fair to say, oh, that Watson pick, that was terrible. You know, passing on him, that was a big mistake. Well, let's see who they get. Let's see how this unfolds because, you know, a lot of people weren't, you know, super thrilled that, you know, we pass on some people at the top, but Kyle Harrison's looking pretty good right now. Um, you know, maybe they could have done a little better to, with that first pick, but at the same time, you know, I, I think Bednar is, is a really solid pick, good amount of upside. I'm not, I'm not upset at that pick at all. And they're well positioned for the rest of these rounds. I mean, they really are in a way that, uh, other teams, uh, other teams aren't. So yeah, they're, 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 it's going to be exciting, and especially these next couple of rounds, because they're they're going to have a lot of a lot of wiggle room, a lot of options ahead of them. Absolutely, and I think you're you're going to see too for fans who are watching, if you are sort of waiting for that big splash and it doesn't come on day two, you know, rounds two through ten come and go, and you don't see where this million dollars is going to get spent then that probably means they've successfully kicked someone to day three and we'll see some bigger picks there on, on, on the high school side. I mean, again, the, the, you know, it, I, I don't disagree with people who say that major league baseball, there should be draft trades. And I, I think there absolutely should be. It would make an, a fun event, even funner, give teams even more opportunities to play around with picks and whatnot. But with the same token, the signing bonuses and the way the negotiations work, it really functions as a way for teams to essentially trade picks without having to agree with other teams, right? Like if Will Bednar ends up signing for a million dollars below slot, you are essentially, that's essentially trading down. The Giants are saying we are going to trade down because we're going to spend more money later and get picks later, right? The Marlins who ended up taking Khalil Watson at 16, they're probably going to spend more than that allotted slot value for round one, which yeah. means they they're essentially trading up because later they're going to spend less, which is equivalent to trading down. I mean, all of these things are so fluid and I think it's what makes it so fun, but Brian on a very long day for you. um, I am very glad uh, you took the time uh, to talk to me and and the fans about the newest member of the San Francisco giants organization. Where can people uh, follow you and stay up to date? I mean, again, the next two days, if there's any day um, to really be up on your stuff tomorrow and the next day are, are the biggest days for that is obviously tomorrow it's rounds two through 10 and the following day it's rounds 11 through 20 of the MLB draft where can people keep up with your work so best place I kind of have everything uh you know centralized through my Twitter page it's uh at Brian underscore Rekka uh with the you know usernames SF draft talk uh there you can find you know links to my blog uh as well as a, a database that I keep a ton of information on draft players and I'll also be tweeting out a link tomorrow, right before the draft, uh, a Twitch a, for a Twitch stream where you can come and hang out and you know talk some Giants baseball or whatever you feel like talking about. So, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, the plan right now. So, check me out. Definitely. I I highly recommend all of Brian's work. Again, that Twitch stream tomorrow is going to be really exciting, really fun, especially when you get to the point where you don't necessarily recognize the names, you know, especially when you're at the point where it's like, you don't know what prospects stand out. You know, Brian really, I, I, 
I really commend your work. I really have a lot of respect for what you do year round. You're really always collecting info on, on players one through 500 or 600. It seems like, <laughs> uh, I mean, I've, I've, I really appreciate the work that you do and I'm glad um, to have talked to you today. This has been the 34th episode of sound the foghorn special. Thanks again to my guest, Brian Recca, the giants have a new tantalizing pitcher in the organization. Right-handed pitcher, Will Bednar. They selected with the 14th overall pick in the 2021 MLB draft day two and day three of the draft tomorrow. Of course, it's also the all-star break. And later in the week, I'll be back for a full first half review of the giants who have the best record in major league baseball. As always, I am your host, Mark DeLuke. You can follow me on Twitter at Mad DeLuke. That is M-A-D-D-E-L-U-C-C-H-I. And for all the latest giants news and rumors, hop on over to around the foghorn.com. As always till next time, have a great week.